This is Ibadi NX, and this is The Candid Frame. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code Candid Frame. Speed lights can be one of the most valuable tools you have for improving lighting in your photography. And the Sabre Strip is the tool you'll need to go beyond on-camera flash. Its unique design transforms a normal speed light into a powerful creative tool. Discover the power of light by visiting saberstrip.com and use the offer code TCF1 to receive your 10% discount. Before we begin, I'm excited to announce the release of the first in a series of TCF branded ebooks. The Candid Frame on Street Photography is an ebook in which I share 10 essential tips that I have found invaluable in my journey as a street photographer. Whether you are already practicing street photography or are completely new to it, I hope that this book will help you to improve your ability to capture great images on the street. The ebook is free when you subscribe to the Candid Frame mailing list. As a subscriber, you'll not only receive regular updates on new episodes of the podcast and our YouTube channel, but you'll also find tips, reviews, and recommendations that we think will be helpful to your photographic life. Sign up today by visiting the website or clicking on the link in the show notes. I met today's guest several years ago when I spoke at an event in San Francisco. Since then, I've been following his work, and I have been impressed by his ability to be both prolific and consistent. To say that Joe Aguirre is just a street photographer wouldn't be accurate, because his work is diverse, exploring both the anonymity of the street and the personal. I asked him why he believes he is so driven to make photographs. I don't want to sound at risk of sounding um, too artsy or pretentious, I guess. But uh, if you took away my cameras, I don't think I'd have that much. And so it's a it's a lifestyle I've chosen deliberately to make photographs, to live with um, live with my images, to walk amongst my subjects, personal photographs, street photography, portraiture. I'm driven by the need to create, you know, feeling compelled. And when you first met me, I want to say three, four years ago now, I was all over the place. I still am, but I was more so. And I didn't, I don't think I knew at the time what being compelled really meant. And now I know that it is a, it's not a want, it's a need. Um, and I just, I need to make photos. I need to, I need to stop and take pictures of things and understand them and present them and show the subjects that I care and that I want them to be seen, I guess. And the long and short of it, it's, it's what I, it's what I love doing. I love making photographs. I just can't think of a better thing to do with my time to, to leave, to leave things behind photographically. So what, what are some of the things that you feel like you have to sacrifice in order to maintain that? Cause it's, it's hard 
to make a choice where you dedicate as much energy and time to photography uh, as you do. So what do you feel that you, you know, what kind of choices have you made in order to keep that momentum going so that you can do what you love to do? I would say a lot of my personal life uh, and my social life goes away because of making photographs. And it's, I don't, and I don't regret it. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. I, I'm a firm believer that there's only one person that you need to make happy and that's yourself. And so that's, I don't, I don't have any regrets about, you know, making photos all the time, but, uh, sometimes when there's an engagement happening or friends want me to be there, I have to sacrifice going to things and being around other people because I want to be making photographs. I would rather be doing something than, than not, I guess. I feel like if I, I feel like even like every day, not, not like every day is an opportunity to go out and to cover more ground. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the time that I don't work my day job is time that I need to be out making photographs. And I feel like photography is one of those things that as long as you're uh, making photographs, you have an opportunity to become better. Every photograph you take is one more step up, one more, one more step forward uh, to harnessing what you're doing to, in order to understanding why you're making photographs, in order to use your personal style to create that, that image, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I would, I, I just, the, the bottom line is I just would rather be making photographs. You, you cover a lot of ground. So I look at some of your images and then I might identify you as a street photographer, but then I see other images that um, are much more intimate and that explore much different territory than what is typically found on the streets. So when you, when you're asked to describe what you photograph or what kind of photographer you are, how do you answer that question? Or do you even want to answer the question at all? I guess you can, I guess if it, if it came down to it, I would say that I'm a street photographer. I love photographing, uh, candidly in places outside walking around. I feel like it just, it fits my life being able just to go somewhere with a camera on my shoulder and living that way. And that's kind of actually how I approach a lot of uh, my fine art products, my nude photographs, my my other projects that I work on. I don't I don't own studio lighting. I use what's around me: a flashlight, some Christmas lights, uh, the ceiling light in the room. And that's kind of the same way that I approach street photography. I use the light that's there. I use what my gear will let me use. I and I. I sort of approach it all the same way. And so when people ask me if I'm a photographer, my answer is just, yes, I make photos. So if that's, if that's what I could answer every time, then that was, that would probably be it. I'm just a photographer. I make photos. But if you're, if you're asking me to label myself, I, I, a street photographer is what comes first in my life. And it's what the, it's what started the fire, so to speak. Did you immediately discover what you loved to do or did you find that when you first started f photographing that you had to search for what ended up being your, your passion as a photographer? I'm still searching. I guess, I, I guess now like my path is narrowed uh, to street and to portraiture, um, personal documentation. And so I guess 
those are those are my directions I'm going in right now, but I don't know what I'm going to be doing next year. I know for a fact I'll be making photographs if I'm still around, but I don't know how I'm going to be capturing things. Sometimes it's great just to release control and, you know, walk downtown for X amount of hours making photographs and coming home and putting the film in the fridge and walking away from it. And then other times I feel like maybe I want to be a bit more conceptual with my work and start putting together ideas for, for a new series or a zine, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And so I just, uh, I look at photography for me, at least in the way I present my work as if, if I brought a puzzle box home and every photo I take is one of those pieces, whether it's street or whether it's a picture of somebody's face or a, a body part or, or a landscape or something at night or some sort of typography I saw that's interesting. And I look at, I look at my photography as that box full of pieces. And mm-hmm. if I empty that box, I start flipping them over and grouping the sky and the edges and everything like that. And then I get to present bodies of work of seemingly unrelated images that tell a lyrical story. And so that's kind of just where I'm at right now. I, I take pictures of the people in my life in, in a street aesthetic. I take pictures of people on the street, street style. And then there are other things that I do that are uh, set up or, hey, could you stay right there again type things and but the way the way you can lay them out together and present them is is what I care about now. Not so much as what I'm shooting or how I'm shooting it, but how I'm presenting bodies of work now. And I feel like I'm starting to get a grasp of bodies of work and what I'm doing with them and how long I need to look at them before I put them out there. And I think that overall I'm starting to uh, maybe mature slightly when it comes to photos. Yeah. You're more than just about the singular image. As you mentioned, you, you like, you know, putting together bodies of work and you've produced several zines of your work. So how important has it been the process of taking all those shots, editing them, putting them together into a sing, you know, into a body of work been, what role has that played in you becoming a better photographer? I think that becoming a better photographer has very little to do with being able to take a better image. I think being a photographer, being a better photographer is being able to stand next to your work and explain it and say, and, and give the whys and the who and the where, mm-hmm. because it's, it's a combination of, of, of math and art photography. And so people that are very good at learning formula can learn how to take a photo and composition is composition, but being able to put things together and tell a story and, and stand behind your work and say, this is why this is what I'm doing. I think that's when you start becoming a better photographer. And so for me, making small books or booklets or zines, uh, that's, that's part of it. That's part of being able to, to, to say why, to, to be a better editor, to, to be able to kill your darling, so to speak, and put things together that, that tell something visually as opposed to this is one photograph, this was here. So tell me about putting together that first 
zine? What was it about? What was the what was the challenge or experience in terms of putting together a selection of images for that first one? Putting together my one of my first zines was it was challenging because I had wanted to put something together to accompany a showing of photographs I had with Emilio Bonuelos at 111 Mina here in San Francisco. I wanted to challenge myself to sit on images and to put them together and lead a viewer through my work on a wall as well as in a book. It wasn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that zine is speaks for my work or is the, the pinnacle of what I was creating at the time. It just represents another, another thing I was doing. And so being able to go out and shoot 150 rolls of film over the course of, you know, part of a year, then to start the editing process, the developing, the scanning, the proofing, getting my four by sixes and sitting them on the floor and, and working out how I wanted the book to play out was interesting to me. And it, I think it made, made me better for it because it helped me start seeing beyond the single image. It helped me see to say, wow, I really like this photograph. Maybe I should just leave it right here for a little bit and see if anything else can complement that or find a pattern in my work. And it kind of, it kind of helped me slow down a bit at the same time and uh, to look at things that I liked and not want to post them immediately for some sort of gratification. And that, that was cool. And, and there is no why unless there's some sort of social or political context that I'm making a group of images in a, a lyric, the lyrical essay for me is more of the feeling I wanted because switching images around one way or another can totally change the mood of things. And so, yeah, I think by making scenes and keeping at them, I'm going to become a better bookmaker for the one day I feel like I have enough images that are warranted for an actual book. Mm -hmm. we, you talked about, you know, looking at the four by sixes, having those physical manifestations of your images from which to work with. How important is that? Because you could always scan your images, bringing them into a computer and look at them, you know, through some software like Lightroom or, or, or Photoshop. Why is it important to you to have those physical images, those prints, to process what images work, what needs, what images you need to keep, which ones you need to toss aside and which ones you have to put together into a working zine or book. Seeing them off the screen is, I just enjoy it. First of all, I love being able to make prints because I have them and I carry them with me. And if somebody asks me what I'm doing, I can show them or I'll, I'll have a zine with me and say, this is, this is what I do. So those are good visual aids for people who don't really understand what you're doing if you're out in public by yourself and taking pictures of random things. Um, but when it comes to editing, for me personally, I think I'm, I'm much better hands-on. I'm much better with looking at something physically as opposed to uh, it being on a computer screen just simply because that's just not how my workflow is. And mm -hmm. I, it, it might be better for somebody to do it uh, in Bridge or Lightroom. But for me, it's definitely not. I like to sit on the floor and lay them out or tack them up on the wall. And it makes it easier for me to switch them around to look at them. And then also when I come home, they're staring at me because they're on the wall. And so I have these 
photographs and they're looking back at me and I'm sitting here after work, after a long day, coming home from whatever I'm doing. And I look at those photos and they don't turn off because I don't turn off the computer. They're not on the computer. They're on the wall. And it just somehow seems to work better for me. And plus you can see them printed. So, you know, that you're not looking at a, you know, high res display, a MacBook with a retina screen or an iPhone or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it also gives you a little bit more of an understanding of what your work looks like uh, if you're going to be printing it somewhere. Uh, and so I always recommend proofing and printing and carrying around things because they just seem to make more sense for me that way. Did having the prints up on the wall sort of help you have a more honest perspective about yourself as a photographer? For example, you know, it, for me, I, I, I have prints when I'm working on a project and I'll print them out so I can edit them. But most of the time they're on my computers. And as, as a result, I don't have a uh, fresh perspective on my work. And sometimes I can feel like I, I suck. <laughs> Other days I, I, I feel like oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really good. And I wonder for you, having those pictures on the wall all the time, does it help you to have a, a realistic perspective in terms of where you are and where you need to go? Well, I'll tell you something right now that prints uh, on the wall or in my hands or in my book bag or my, my camera bag, they, they, they show me things that looking at a screen can't. I remember I was shooting 28 millimeter almost exclusively because I, I just I loved how easy it was to shoot 28. Uh, especially on a rangefinder, which I own and I shoot primarily, um, until somebody walked up and put their thumb over everybody's head in my photographs, and I didn't realize how how far away I was from my subjects when it comes to not being able to get in tighter and maybe get a portrait of somebody or to connect with somebody just that extra two steps, mm. and so that's what having my prints uh, taught me that if I'm going to present bodies of work, that they might look the same and somebody might just disconnect from them because they're not being led in or out. Uh, and I think that's important because it also helps me lay out for when I'm showing in galleries uh, or wherever I'm prints are going to be hung up somewhere. Uh, I would like the viewer to have to walk in a little bit closer and then the next frame, maybe walk backwards a little bit and it, it's interactive and it I'm actually ushering a viewer somehow. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsors. One of the reasons why I like my Squarespace website is that it's not limited to an existence on a computer web browser. On a regular basis, I can share my site on a tablet or even a smartphone because the website is designed to be optimized for any device. The images look great and the site maintains its easy to navigate interface. But one of my favorite tools is Squarespace's portfolio app, which allows me to showcase specific photo galleries on a tablet or phone. Whether I'm online or not, the portfolio app allows me to share my best images anywhere and anytime. That's something I could never do with any other service. You need to try it out. Find out for yourself by taking advantage of their 14-day free trial. You don't need a credit card. Just create an account and try it out. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. 
How does the the use of film in the lack of the immediate feedback of the digital screen help you with respect to getting that? Because you don't have the immediate feedback there, so you have to sort of trust your naked eye as to whether or not you're getting what you want. So how is that helpful for you as opposed to shooting digital? Well, I shoot digital as well, but for the most part, it's film. And I like shooting film because there's a little more effort involved. It's, it's definitely the hard way now, but there's just something about it. Uh, it doesn't feel effortless to me because there's a lot of effort going into the printing, the scanning, the developing, the cost. But the reward for me when it comes to that is a little bit greater because of the, the amount of time it took to get that image um, or to see them. And so, and it also helps with my confidence a bit because I don't have a screen to look at and, you know, trip out whether or not I'm F11 at one five hundredth of a second is going to be good enough or, or whatnot. I, I just set it and I go and, and you know, every, every couple blocks or whatever meter again, you know, and with digital that there, for some reason, it makes me a slightly unsure about myself and I don't like feeling like that. And so whenever I feel like I'm in need of a bit of a, a change up, I'll, I'll put the digital away for a while and I'll just, you know, go out with, uh, with the film camera. And more lately than, than not, I've, I've been really relaxed on whether or not I'm going to develop. And I also have a system where I come home and I have different bags of film in my fridge, different types of film, different format. I grab the film from the day of shooting and I put it in the bags that are already full and I shake them up. So I don't know which ones are which. And it just kind of helps me detach a little bit because Mm. now when I get 10, 20 rolls back, from the lab or whatever, I will scan them in. And if I don't see anything, then I don't try and force it. And then I, I archive them. And then maybe in a couple months, I'll go back and see if I missed anything. But for the most part, it's helped me really disconnect from re- from trying to salvage something. Because if it's not there, it's not there. Yeah. And there's no, there's no sense in trying to coax it out. One of the great things about your, your work is that I really get a sense of the city of San Francisco from your personal perspective. Not just the stuff that you're doing on the street, but the, the stuff that you're doing indoors when you're you know, documenting your own, your own life or your friends or your lovers. And, and I get to see a San Francisco that's definitely not a postcard. Yes. And, and I love that about your work because that's a, that's a, San, Francisco, a, trans, a San Francisco I've had glimpses of. You know, in my life. And, and I like that you, that you photograph San Francisco as if it's a character. And, yeah. and I think that's, that, that's really important to see because I think that regardless of where you live, it's really important to see your town or your city in a very intimate way. And if you can do that, you can make some really interesting photographs. And I think that you do that. Um, are, are you conscious of that when you're making pictures or are you just making pictures of what you're drawn to make pictures of? I take pictures of the things that I care about. And I also take pictures of things that uh, are just pleasing to my eye. And sometimes I take pictures of things that I don't know why. Sometimes you just have a feeling like, maybe I want to take a picture of this. Maybe maybe something's here. And so you take a picture of it. And if it's not there, it's not there. But it's kind of like when you're sitting on the Muni going home and you look up because you feel somebody's looking at you and somebody might be looking at you. It's just, 
it's it's a just a weird feeling sometimes I get, but why wanting to photograph things because my nonsensical brain, I guess, takes over and says that is just a wall, but there's something there, uh, or that's just a corridor with nice light, but maybe something something's there, something's different, you know. And so I just I kind of like I kind of just explore uh, all the avenues because there's no sense in not taking the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's the worst that's going to happen? It's not going to be a good photo. That happens every day. You know, I, I take photos that I ditch every day. So why bother with, you know, doubting it? Uh, how do you know somebody doesn't want to have coffee with you unless you ask them? You know, so there's no harm in, in, in I guess, in, in sort of asking, I guess, yeah. if you can relate to it. And so when I take pictures of my, my friends or people that I'm in relationships with or things like that, um, I take pictures of them because I want them to know that I love them. And I want them to know that I want them to be around because everybody that knows me knows that photography is the love of my life. And so for me to use my, my, uh, the visual language to communicate with them, I, I want them to know that they're, that they're worth me making photographs of. I use photography as a way to, to tell my, the people and my surroundings that I, I want them around forever. Well, you you include a lot of pictures of if your romantic life. I know that mm-hmm. not all the uh, model, you know, the women that you photograph are are people that you're intimate with, but there are there are some that you are have have been in a relationship with. And I wonder whether this love affair with the camera uh, ends up becoming a, a third wheel. If that's not too much of a personal question to ask, my friend Mary, who I photograph quite regularly, she's one of my best friends. Uh, told me that I'm in a polyamorous relationship with my camera. <laughs> and it's true, though, because whether or not it's, it's an intimate moment, my camera is always with me. My camera goes on dates with me. My camera sits on the table. My camera goes on car rides. My camera goes to work. My camera is, is my partner. And it is in, my camera is my tools, uh, all, all these things. But uh, they are always with me. And... So anybody that is with me or near me or around me or wants to hang out with me is going to have to get used to not being number two, but knowing that there is somebody that's right on that level and that is my camera. And so that's just what it comes down to, you know, and I love photographing people that I'm with. Uh, Who doesn't like naked people? You know, it's a very healthy thing to express yourself and your your love and you just, you know, overall being comfortable with your sexuality. And if anybody, you know, knows me and has ever met me knows that I am a very open person and everything's all, all up front. And so that's, it's just something, it's just something that I do. It's just something that I do because I, I think that there's nothing more beautiful than, than certain things. And when it's, if it's, if it's a, a friend that stayed over and they wake up in the morning and they're, wiping the sleep from their eyes and you know we're talking about going to get coffee it's just you know morning hair sometimes is cute and i take a picture of it and maybe that picture turns out to be a more powerful portrait than me just having a very funny feeling about it Mm -hmm. and that's cool or you know if i'm at home and we're watching movies and all that stuff and the light looks cool i'll grab a camera and i'll take a picture because i like the way the tv's lighting up somebody's face but those are all moments that I see on the street as well. You know, I see people walking by signs or I see people standing under light or through shadow. And I see those things and I, I feel the same 
feelings of needing to photograph them. Your work is very, it has a very personal stamp on it. And it's, it's a body of work that I think that other people who shoot similarly often wonder about how can I make a living shooting the way that I do? Because they typically don't see it in commercial or editorial work. But you've been able to you know, do a good amount of freelance work, some commercial work. So how have you navigated your personal approach and your per- personal style of shooting and seeing to doing work for, for hire? Honesty, first of all. If, if any client wants to hire me for something, I always say, well, this is my portfolio. And we go through them. And whether it's a paper portfolio or it's online and I send them links to things or examples of specifically what they're looking for, I will tell them this is how I photograph. If Now, if you're looking for photographer X over here, then you're going to have to go to them. This is my gear. This is how I work. This is how I edit. This is not, this is not up for negotiation. Like if you... If the if you're coding in Python, I'm not going to ask you for some other type of language because this is out of the scope of your work, of your capability, perhaps. And so, being honest, first of all, is gets gets me where I need to be sometimes. Um, second of all, I just think I'm a very good communicator, and so being able to um, telegraph a, a client's needs or make them feel confident in my ability is also, you know, a good thing as well. And I, I just try and do a good job no matter what type of photos I'm taking. But at the same time, freelance is a blessing because it really does help pay the rent some months. I don't particularly want to do it full time um, because I would rather make personal bodies of work and be uh, a non-commercial photographer. But, you know, I think that people that photograph uh, not like me, like style wise or anything, but people that have a day job that make bodies of work that sometimes get, you know, toss some gigs every now and then uh, kind of are the same way. Um, I I have a day job. I work 40 to 60 hours a week sometimes. And then I come home and I scan film and then I go to bed and I get five hours of sleep, wake up and do it again. But it's a, it's a drive that's there. And sometimes it's not, sometimes I won't even look at a camera for three or four days and that's just you know how life is but yeah if you if you just if you if you can if you can represent your brand and say this is how i work i can walk into um a corporate office and take documentary photographs for their their lifestyle page for you know their business to business hiring things i can walk in with a 35 millimeter lens and a, and and my nikon and just be done with the day um there's doesn't need to be a big setup i walk in i'm quiet please go about your day and then we'll get the, the, the things we need set up, set up. But other than that, you know, sometimes, uh, if they need, if they need the production, then they're going to have to go with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Keep it real, I guess. Yeah. Whenever I use flash, the first thing that I do is take it off the camera. I've never liked the look of onboard flash, and so I've always tried to find a way of getting it off camera. But even then, the quality of the light was never ideal. The Saber Strip offers me a unique way to control the look and feel of the light produced by my speed light. Unlike having to use an umbrella or a softbox, its unique tubular design eliminates the issue of the wind blowing it down and allows me to even use it handheld if I need to. 
The results are everything that I want from a light modifier that I can use quickly and on the go. Go to saberstrip.com and find great examples of the kinds of photographs that are possible using this innovative modifier. And remember to use the promo code TCF1 to receive your 10% discount. Saberstrip, the evolution of the small flash. Tell me about the, the, the zines again. Uh, you, you produce several. And tell me about why they're important in terms of you, not just, you know, going through your work to find out which ones are the stands out, but, it, but in terms of sharing them, uh, you know, a lot of people share stuff on the computer, on Flickr and Facebook, and, but the, the physical manifestation of your photographs seems to be particularly important to you. Why, why is that? Well, for me, um, I wouldn't say several zines. I'd say a couple. I got inspired to make zines by, um, you know, Hamburger Eyes and other companies uh, or groups of people that make zines. Um, but I, when I had a, a real personal interaction, it was with my friend Sean and my friend Carson. Uh, Carson owns Book and Job Gallery in uh, downtown San Francisco in the TL. And they are a – it's a small gallery. It's, it's – uh, there's no frills. It's just photographers, underdogs, small, small books, uh, you know, group showings and zines. And Sean used to always give me, uh, free zines, uh, handmade, hand stitched, you know, bindings and things like that because Sean was broke and always wanted free film when I was working at a camera store. And so I'd always trade them and I would always give him, you know, cameras that I didn't use. Uh, because I cared about him because I loved his drive and I loved how he was producing work. And Carson, uh, you know, is doing everything he can to uh, produce, you know, zines and, and things like that um, with Find Rangers and seeing that really lights a fire under my ass. I love seeing that. And so I wanted to do the same thing. And so it's not like with a zine, you have so much uh, – you have so much room to just pack it full of photographs that are that, that, that nothing needs to be a 10 out of 10. It's not your portfolio. It's a zine. And it's something that you can create to say, this is my work here. Put it in your hands. Look at it. Feel the paper. Feel the work. Feel the effort. And so that's what I like about them. You can have, you know, uh, 50 images in it and have 10 of them really hit you over the head. And then the rest of them carry you through it. And that's cool. And so it's a way, it's a way to just say, these are the photographs that I like, that I wanted to see printed, that I laid out, that I'm not going to wait for, you know, a publishing deal or somebody to make it for me. I'm going to go and I'm going to Xerox it and I'm going to staple it, or I'm going to crimp it and perfect bind it myself, or I'm going to go through a company that does it for me. And so that's why I like making zines. You know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's a good exercise to keep, to keep on it. You know, it's, it's why I go out and make photographs because there is a there is now an end result and that's to produce things to make physically. Because nobody buys prints a lot. And so but people will buy zines, people will look at them, people will trade them, you know. You have a, an exhibit coming up. Tell me about uh, how that came about and and you know what the whole idea behind it is. Well, I've been shooting the um the more personal work, the nudes, the fine art, uh, the body positive stuff, uh, for, uh, you know, quite a time now. And I just had never 
really cared about showing it in a, in a gallery or a public setting other than my blog and, you know, little snippets here and there in my zines. And my friend, Brian Brooks, who is a really good friend and has helped me get showings before was talking to me about, you know, maybe wanting to put some things together and, you know, putting them on walls together and having a, having a little party while we're, you know, at it. And so we decided that we were going to do that. And I talked to Carson and Carson said, yeah, and we're going to, we, it's going to be up from March 7th to the 20th at Book and Job Gallery. And it's, uh, it's just a, Brian's very regimented, uh, does studio work and I don't. And so it's going to show a good contrast between two people photographing similar things. And I, and, and, you know, it was, it was nice to take a few months to take my mind off street photography, to take my mind off wanting to develop film and focusing on a project, because this will be the first, like, I want to say like project I've really, you know, dug in and said, all right, you know, uh, I'm going to present this, you know, this way I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it this way. I'm going to use this material, et cetera. And, uh, and I've enjoyed it. And then when it's done, I get to put that away and maybe focus more on, you know, the next zine or shooting street some more and figuring out what I'm going to be doing with my uh, documentary work. So are you working on any specific project now? Because I know you're constantly shooting, but you also talked about, you know, focusing on, on, on projects or things that have a similar theme. Is there anything that you're, you're working on currently or, or, or intending to work on soon, if you don't mind sharing? Well, two things are, are happening right now, and one of them is the show at Book and Job Gallery. And then the next one is going to be another uh, split show in April at Empire 7 Studios in San Jose, and that's going to be uh, street photography. It's going to be with Emilio Bumuelos and Mike Avina, Troy Holden, and uh, Rasta Dave. Uh, they're all Bay Area people and all shoot uh, street photography, and they, we all have different approaches. And so that's, that's going to be sort of the next thing. After that, so while I'm getting ready for that, I'm going to start looking at um, my film scans and going through my archive and seeing what's going on with that and seeing where I'm at with the next the next scene. And I feel like I will have a very a, a, a solid base of what I want to put into another book, um, and I'll start seeing where where the holes in my, my, my work is and start maybe wanting to start filling those and taking little chunks away at that. And so maybe by the, uh, beginning or middle of summer, I'll have another zine to put out. So that's, that's just pretty much what it comes down to, you know, shoot, shoot my life, shoot the streets, shoot other people's lives. At the end of the day, when I feel like I've exhausted how I'm photographing at that time, time to start looking at the prints. You know, you mentioned Emilio and a couple of other photographers. And I think that community is really important. But I think at some point you have to be also very selective about who you choose to include uh, in your circle. Because for me, it's, it's important because I want people who will be honest with me, uh, but also people who will challenge me. I don't mind having people in my circles who I consider better photographers than me because that forces me to, you know, pick up my game. But for you, you know, what's, what do you think is really important for the people that you choose to include in your life, in your photographic life that are essential to not only you as a photographer, but you as a, as a person? 
I always, even in my personal life, will keep people close that I respect and that I admire. And that goes, you know, double for photography because I don't, I don't want to play a like game. I don't want to like a friend's photo or compliment a friend's photo in the hopes that they're going to turn around and do the same to mine. I actually happen to like the fact that most of the people that I hold dear to me, when it comes to looking at my work, don't like everything I make um, because that's real. And I don't want um, a bunch of, uh, you know, going in a circle and just playing a, a kiss ass game. And so like when I present photographs to say, uh, you know, Ola Billmunt or Justin Vogel, who I talk to quite often, I'll, I'll, I'll give them 10 photos and, you know, they'll say, I like these two. Awesome. You know, and, and it, and it feels better than just like, wow, these are so cool. You know, it's like, no, I, I like, I know, I think they're cool. That's good enough for me. But what do you think about them? And so like when people give it to me straight, it, it feels good. It feels good to hear their input and to, to get a bit of a fresh perspective on things because they notice things that I don't, or they, they bring up things that maybe I'm too attached to in an image and they say, well, this one works better, even though I know you like this one better. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and I love having friends that are better photographers than me because I learn so much from them. Um, and I get, I get, uh, I get a little bit more drive from them. You know, uh, some people are better at printing. Some people are better at sequencing. Some people are just better photographers, period. And I look up to my friends and that's cool. I don't, I don't care. I don't care that I have friends that I'm, that I'm fans of. I think that's awesome. So my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So for you, who would that one photographer be and why? Ooh, that's a hard one. You know, honestly, like I'm going to, since I've just interacted with him quite a lot lately and he's been, he's been uh, pretty influential in me looking at a lot of stuff and uh, things for my, for my own personal work. Um, I'm going to have to uh, say that I really like and admire Ben Molina's work. And Ben and I have interacted uh, mostly online and a few times in person Ben is uh, a very quiet photographer and his work speaks volumes though. And he's good and he's, he's just good. And there's no, there's no chip on his shoulder. There's no, there's nothing but knowledge and welcoming more of it. Mm. He's a, he's a library. So, you know, he'll bring up things to me when I'm, when I really am very on the fence about things, I'll ask him and he'll bring things up to me and he'll bring up a photographer. I would have never have like uh, put together with something that I was doing. And he just understands and knows so much about books and street photography that um, he's actually one of my big inspirations right now when it comes to uh, getting better at things outside of the camera. Because I already know how to use my camera. I know how to use my gear. I know how to edit down stuff. I know how to do this, this, and that. But I could have all of the amazing images in the world, but unless I can put them together and explain it, then they don't mean anything. Mm. You know, they don't, they just, they, they feel empty because I've now taken myself completely out of my photos. And Ben's helping me put more of that in there. 
Well, that's awesome. That's a great recommendation. Yeah, I, I really love his work, and I need to get him on this show sooner than later. Yeah, he's a good guy, and he and aside from personal feelings and, and, and interactions, he's just a good photographer, and he's one of the people that I think will, unless, how do I say it? I feel like he is, he's, he's just so quiet about his work and it's there and it's good and, and that's good enough for him. So good for him. He's an inspiration. Cool. So where can people go to find out more about you and all the things that you do? Uh, well, I have a portfolio website. It's joeagirifotography.com. I have a Tumblr for my street photography, which is thoughtlesshero.com and a Tumblr for my nude work, which is iampaperskin.tumblr.com, but from the portfolio, you can find basically every link. So, Cool. Well, Joe, thank you for, for making the time this, this evening to talk with me. I, I'm glad we finally got a chance to sit down and talk together. I've learned so much about you in the, in the, in the short time that we've had here, and uh, I've really appreciated learning more about you know, the story behind all your work, and I just want to wish you continued success. You, you deserve it. Thanks, man. You too. You're doing a great job here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners like you. To help support the work we do at TCF, please take the time to make a donation via PayPal for $10, $20, $50, or more. Your contributions have helped to make the show what it is. I'd also like to thank our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, and our music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.